Welcome to a learntolearn.org podcast. We are here to support your learning, taking off the limits that we have accrued to our learning and adding in those ingredients that we've learned from world-class learners that have made them the best so that we can each update our own programming and become the best learners that we can be. We're really glad that you're here to share some time with us. We hope that this brings you exactly what you need today to better engage in your life and your learning. Today we're going to explore the impact of our attitudes on our ability to learn. Really, we should say the impact of our attitudes on everything. There's not a single area of our life that attitudes don't impact. There are those who have thought deeply about this that would say that the only two things that ultimately any of us can control are where we place our attention and the attitude that we put our attention on that with. So if we want to change something in our life, we need to put our attention on the right thing, on the right area, and we really need to monitor and affect the attitude that we're doing it with, and then things can change. So this is what we're going to explore here today. I am sure you can readily think of examples in your day-to-day, in your life overall, where your attitudes really shaped your experience. If we think about those things that we've decided that we particularly like or we particularly don't like, how did that outlook, how did that attitude affect what followed, affect how you engaged in those areas? If we think about, I don't like doing X, Y, Z, there's a good chance we don't do it, or we don't do it well, or we put it off, or we somehow diminish our effectiveness or our engagement in that area. And if it's something that we really like, well, that's pretty obvious. What impact does that have? What does that do in your life? And likes and dislikes are only one small area of attitude, although they do reflect a lot of the other deeper attitudes that might go with that. It's pretty obvious to all of us that if we don't like math or we don't like science or we don't like history, how much that affected our ability to even pay attention in that kind of class, much less study it be excited about learning it, doing well on the test. If we go, well, I I don't like taking tests. We put prepping for them off to the last minute. We go in to take that test in a very negative state. Well, the same thing happens outside of the classroom with all of the rest of our learning. If there are job opportunities out there that are in an area that we feel like aren't for me, I couldn't do well, I don't like that. So often we pass up something that for people that step forward and try it anyway can often become an area that they 
excel in, that they find that was actually much more interesting than they ever suspected. So if we walk away from learning about new areas just because we already have an attitude, how do we limit ourselves? And how much do we close off opportunity in our life? If we say something's too hard, or that's that's not relevant, or I can't, or what's the purpose of that, without even really exploring, again, how much does that limit us in our life? And conversely, if we simply say, well, I can, if we have that attitude, or, well, let me explore it. Let me check it out. Let me find out. Maybe there's something there that would be of interest, or maybe I have a capacity that I haven't even explored yet. Let me try it. Even though maybe I've fallen short in the past, maybe there's a way that I can develop the capacity that I need. All of those more positive attitudes open doors. If we have the attitude of self-belief, of confidence, It is, in the research, very similar to the placebo effect. We don't get the placebo effect just because we take a sugar pill. It is that underlying attitude of, this is going to do something. And that attitude of confidence or self-belief produces changes in brain states, blood pressure, immune system function, hormonal levels, performance. All this has been demonstrated again and again. One very interesting example of this uh, took place in a study where kids were given IQ tests. These kids were then told what their IQ was, and some of them were told that, you know, IQs are fixed. That's what most of us have been led to believe, that whatever your IQ is, it's that forever. And the other group was told that it's possible to improve their IQ. And then later they were retested. And Of course, the kids that were told it was possible to improve their IQ did better. A somewhat similar example was demonstrated in a group of kids that were tested for their performance, their attention span, and then they were allowed to online take an avatar that represented them as being much more capable than how they had viewed themselves. And then they were measured again for their performance and attention. And both factors went up, whereas the kids that went through the same process but weren't given the avatar, weren't given a new, greater representation of themselves, did not improve in either of these factors. As we might imagine, students engage in subjects where they feel confident and not so much in the ones that they don't feel confident. They also engage longer in those areas where they feel confident, and they engage with greater effort. This is an example of self-fulfilling prophecy. Lowered self-confidence turns into students viewing subjects as harder, and they live with more anxiety, stress, less creativity. They tend to put off studying. They cram at the end. Things are seen as threats oh, I have this test coming up and it threatens my sense of self rather than an interesting challenge to prepare for. Students that have a higher degree of self-confidence are also quicker to regain their 
capacity, their engagement after what they would perceive as a failure. They're much more resilient, much more able to overcome that sense of failure and turn it into just a challenge to be overcome. These attitudes that we have then play out in our self-talk. We're constantly telling ourselves about who we are, how we are, what we're capable of. We're telling ourselves, oh, I can do this, or I can't do this. And our brain responds. It's always listening. And who is it going to believe if it doesn't believe us and what we're telling it? So our self-talk reinforces our attitude towards ourself, which then in turn reinforces what we tell ourselves. This is the cycle that we want to either break or enhance, depending on whether our attitude, our outlook is negative or positive. Let's review just a few of the areas that we tend to develop these attitudes in. One of them is around time. Do I have enough time? Do I not have enough time? Oh, I can never get that done in that amount of time. Or, oh, this will be easy. I have plenty of time. What are the attitudes that we have about who we are? What are the attitudes we have about what we're capable of? What is our underlying attitude about what the future results will be? Sometimes we're like, well, no matter what I do, it's not going to work out for me. Something's going to go wrong. What are our attitudes about the support that we can expect from the world? Some of us feel that we are on our own and that we have to figure it all out. And if we don't know how right now that it's not possible, why should I even try? Some of our attitudes lead to setting very small goals. And then it doesn't even seem worth going for those goals. Or sometimes our attitudes set us up to think that we have to have immense goals and we can't see a way to get to them. They seem overwhelming. Refer back to that episode that we did on overwhelm and how to deal with it. All of us have some limiting attitudes, outlooks. What do you recognize in what we've talked about so far? Or are there other ones? And... How would you describe those? So what does an attitude consist of and what do we do about it? Some people would say that attitudes are just the same as beliefs. Here at Learn to Learn, we have a little different view of that. We certainly see them very tied into each other. But the attitude itself tends to be the feeling, the emotion that is engaged. It's that underlying feeling that may result from a belief, but it's different than the belief. And sometimes to change the attitude, we have to change the belief, but not always. That's certainly not the only way to change an attitude. As you've come to see here at Learn to Learn, we often have many different approaches to solving the same thing because the same approach doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work every time. If attitudes are a derivative of our emotion, what do they do for us? How do they work? Well, that emotion that we tap into ideally provides the energy that we need to accomplish the task we're going for, to get to the outcome that we want. But if the attitude is a negative attitude, it says we're not 
providing any energy. We're turning that off. I can't. I don't want to. I don't like it. And the vitality necessary to go forward with the outcomes we want is no longer available. So if you're following along well with what I'm saying, you can see that being able to determine our own attitudes is essential for successfully learning or successfully engaging in any area of our life. So how do we self-create the attitudes that we need to get the success we want? And how do we overcome the limiting attitudes that we already have? Let's address both of those. Let's start with how to practice stepping into attitudes that we want. Many years ago, we came across a woman who had a tape that she had made. And on that tape, she had listed a number of different positive attitudes. And they were spaced about a half a minute apart. So as she would play the tape, she would hear her voice say, excitement. And then she would do her best to step into a very excited state and hold that for that 30 seconds. And then maybe the next one would say determination. And the next one would say, I can do anything. And then the next one would say, relax, I've got this. And she would use this tape every day. It was about 10 minutes long. She told me sometimes she would do twice a day because it was just so fun. And it gave her such a sense of being in control, in charge of her own state, because it taught her how to step into whatever outlook, whatever attitude that she wanted for whatever given experience she was going into. And it became a very powerful tool for her. So you can do the same thing. You know, we can all on our phones just go to the record function and record ourselves a little 10-minute tape with a number of different attitudes. Some of them can be repeated if they're particularly important to us. Or you can just write down a list on a piece of paper and every 20, 30 seconds step into a different one. Imagine yourself doing this and what this is going to do. In the beginning, it may be a little challenging to just readily step into enthusiasm, particularly if we're having a challenging day. But in time, we learn to step out of those limiting states right into whatever state it is that we choose, whatever state it is that may support what we're wanting to do at that time. So, When you imagine doing this every day, you can also imagine what the effect of it is going to be over a few days, a few weeks, even a month or two. How this will let you really master the attitude that you have. If we're talking about learning specifically, and let's say we have a trigonometry class or an algebra class or a science class that we have some kind of negative attitude towards. Maybe it's the subject, maybe it's the professor, and we get really good at stepping into, I can do this, I enjoy this, even though the outer circumstances would seem to dictate differently. This develops the inner capacity to take charge, to be more than just 
what the environment puts on us to go beyond that. Is this something that you'd be willing to do? Try it out. We think you'll find it very helpful. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that often attitudes arise out of the underlying beliefs that we have. How do we ferret out those limiting beliefs? Well, some of them we're just aware of. We know what they are. And we've already talked in other podcasts about some ways to change those beliefs. And we'll get to other ones in future podcasts. Some of them aren't quite conscious yet. They're there. We can recognize them when we hear them. But we might not immediately recognize them. So what do we do to find out what those are so that we can address those as well? Well, one way that we have found here to work quite well has to do with using affirmations in a somewhat creative way. Our outlook is that affirmations, although somewhat helpful, don't go nearly as deep as we may need. But used the way we're going to explore here next, we think you'll find that they can be very helpful at uncovering the beliefs that have been sitting in the background limiting us. So we're going to do what we think of as fishing, sort of like throwing bait out in the waters and seeing what comes up. Maybe we should call it chumming. You know, we throw the chum out on the water and all the fish that are deep under the water start to come up to the surface. Well, that's what we're going to do here with our particular way of using an affirmation. So let's say our our limit is we just have this sense of, I can't, I can't do this. So we're going to turn that around and state the positive. I can do this. Okay, now a lot of people would just stop there and think, okay, if I do that a few times, that'll make a difference. And sometimes it does temporarily. But if we want more, we'll take that positive affirmation, I can do this, And we'll repeat it several times, and we'll notice what comes up in response. What do we hear at a deeper level of ourself? Now, sometimes the first couple times that we go, I can do this, I can do this, there's nothing. And then some voice, some picture, some sense sort of comes up and goes, no way. And so we write that down. And then we repeat it again. And maybe then something comes up that says, Yeah, but what about that other time? And what about this? And I've proved to myself over and over that this is beyond me because X, Y, Z. And so we write all that down and we just stay with the affirmation and notice the whole range of responses that comes up. And we look back through those when we've got that list well filled out and go, what about those really strikes me? What about that really seems to get to the heart of why I can't? And that's what we want to address. What if what comes up is, well, every time I've tried to do this, I've failed. Then we take that and first we look for, are there counterexamples? Is there anything in our experience that says, well, yeah, we've failed most of the time, but not always. Maybe I didn't do well on the test, but I got 60% of them right. 
How about all of those? And what if we bring those more to the forefront? And the ones that we didn't do well with, we move back a bit so that we can see, oh, I might not always be able to do it, but I can, and I can probably learn to do better, particularly if we use some of the approaches that we explore here on Learn to Learn. Or what if it comes down to, oh, there was this one time that this happened or that happened? Well, one of the ways to address that is to go back and reimagine what happened, revision it. We've all heard that the subconscious believes what we imagine just as much as what actually happened, particularly if we repeat it and we repeat it with intensity and a sense of engagement, of believability, then that new pattern starts to go in. And then it becomes much easier to prove that out in the world. So that might be one approach to this. Again, let us just reemphasize to get this revisioning approach to work the best. It is done with great vividness. We're replaying it the way we would have wanted it. And we're doing it with intensity. We're doing it with believability. Now, some people will say, yeah, but that's not what actually happened. True enough. But is what actually happened what we want to limit ourselves to? Or do we want to have the option to change the impact of that? If we had a teacher give us a very negative message? Do we want to be saddled with that for the rest of our life just because it happened, because that was what really took place? Or do we want the option to change the impact of that and the outcome of that, how that affects us the rest of our life? I vote for, let's change it. And once we've changed it, once we've revisioned it, and we can feel that change in outlook and attitude, what happens if we walk back through the entirety of our life with that change, with that update, with that revised outlook, with that revised attitude, so that the change begins to generalize well beyond that event? Now, if in the case of it's happened again and again, we can go back through several of those until the message starts to change relative to all of what took place. It's a powerful experience. Now, if for some reason you don't feel comfortable doing that, step away from it. You know, this is not a have to. This is just an experiment to see what impacts our attitude, what frees us to pick the attitude we want and where we want to place our attention in our life, what we want to emphasize, and what the state that we want to be in in moving towards our goals can be, and live from that. The research is very clear. As our attitude, our outlook improves, our capacity to learn, to succeed in our lives increases in proportion to that shift in attitude. Now, we often hear refer to research, but we don't go into the specifics of all that research. We assume that what you most want to know is what all that research indicates. And for those of you that want to dig deeper, occasionally we will put reference points, pointers to places that you could go to look at some of this. 
on your own. We thank you so much for joining us here today. We know that there is so much more to explore together. We know that there's value in just hearing about what we've gone over today. We know that there's even more value when you take these perspectives and the exercises that we lay out and explore them as much as you're comfortable with. We look forward to talking to you next time here at Learn to Learn. Thank you for listening. Our purpose is supporting your capacity to learn and to attain all that you can imagine. We hope you use the perspectives and exercises that we have shared. Feel free to send us questions, ideas, experiences that might benefit our listeners via learntolearn.org, L-E-A-R-N-T-O-L-E-A-R-N.org. Finally, please help others by sharing our link with your friends, family, and other loved ones, since how you learn is how you live. 